Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to our newest episode of the Triple Play Podcast. I'm your host, Wyatt Street, and joined, as always, by my fellow co-hosts. Guys, introduce yourselves. Josh Strickland. And Brad the Kendall. All right. Thanks for coming back, everybody. How's everybody doing, by the way? Uh, Pretty good. Had a pretty good week this week, uh, baseball-wise. I mean, the Braves are struggling with a rotate with a starting rotation filled with uh, guys who should be in the bullpen but you know it's fine <laughs> and to stay in the nl east i uh, ran into a buddy of mine at church this morning wearing a marlins hat and i was like i never thought i'd say this but nice hat and he goes go fish baby <laughs> go fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah loved it man he was oh, he was man. amped <laughs> I don't blame him. I mean, the Marlins, for the better part of at least half a century now, have been absolute garbage, and I thought they were going to be more of the same, and <laughs> look at them leading the division. Dude, winning percentage, man. They're a game up. It, it is weird seeing 9-5 and five and 12-10. and 10. I think 9-5 and five just seems so much better, but it's literally a game difference than the Braves. Also, real quick before we start, Bradley, I got a, I got a, um, I got a uh, notification from a friend that we should, we need to stop trashing the Pirates. He is also a Pirates fan, and he does not enjoy us trashing the Pirates all the time. <laughs> Bro, I will stop trashing them when their winning percentage gets above 2-2-2. <laughs> <laughs> I have every right to trash my own team. <laughs> if anything, you have more of a right than anyone else. <laughs> I mean, if he's going based off the fact that their expected win percentage is six and twelve right now, and they're four and fourteen, oh. fine. But whatever, we're minus thirty-four <laughs> in the run differential. <laughs> oh, you know that could be worse. But the crazy thing uh, is, could be better. The the crazy thing is, if you actually look at the standings, if you would have told me in. In mid-August, that the Pirates would be half a game behind Boston, I'd be like, dude, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> True. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, if you guys are ready, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We have uh, not a whole lot to talk about, but what we do have is pretty important. Um, and I think we're going to – let's start us off with some uh, fiery action. Uh, and, of course, this, this would happen like – about an hour after we finished recording last week's podcast. Um, but the Astros were involved in yet another brawl. Uh, this one actually a little more intense. And once again, it comes off of the heels of not a single Astros player getting hit by a pitch. Because if we remember back to the Dodgers one, the pitches that Joe Kelly threw never made contact with the Astros batters. And this one, it was actually an A's batter getting hit multiple times that caused the brawl. So Ramon Laureano for the uh, Oakland Athletics, he got hit multiple times in their series against the Astros last weekend, uh, a couple of times by the same pitcher after he got hit um, like the third or the second or third time in that same game, actually. He um, exchanged some words with the pitcher, and it wasn't like accusatory or anything he was just telling him you could see him making the motions with his hand making the pitching grip like you're trying to throw a slider it's not sliding you got to get that flick in your wrist he was like doing the wrist flick and everything like just trying to tell him like hey you know i'm frustrated let's let's change this so that no one else is getting hit and he goes down the first base tension seemed to clear and then the astros hitting coach alex clinton starts exchanging words with laureano Lariano turns his back. Everything seems to be fine. Then Clinton says something else. Lariano turns, charges the dugout, bench is clear, and we've got a full-on base brawl. Now, the fallout of this 
Six-game suspension for Ramon Laureano reduced to four games after the appeal. Alex Clinton got 20 games for instigating this. 20 games. And he didn't even throw any punches. Like, as soon as Laureano charged the mound, three Astros players got in front of him. And Clinton, you can see in the videos, he's just kind of back behind these guys, acting like he's going to do something in a like half-boxing stance. Never does anything. So, guys, what are your uh, before we get into the suspensions, I just want to get your initial thoughts on what actually happened. Um, so, the the hit by the pitch, the exchange of words with Clinton, everything that happened there. Let's get into that first, guys. What are your initial reactions to all of that? I just I just want to start out by saying it was actually like a brawl. It was actually like an actual like fight going on instead of what what the Astros and Dodgers was. Uh, it, there was actual like physical altercations going on. Someone. Uh, someone lost their uh, catcher's mask somehow uh, in in all of it. But basically, I mean, yeah. So I mean, what I what I saw happen was that I mean, Ramon got hit like three times in like two games or something like that. He was just frustrated. I mean, being hit by a pitch is never fun. Like I know people joke about you got to lean into it, you got to take one for the team and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be hit by a by a ball going eighty plus miles per hour. Uh, so he he was obviously not happy. I mean, I thought it was hilarious that he was telling the pitcher how to throw his his pitches. Um, and other than that, I mean, other than that, it was fine. I mean, it, it, he wasn't even that mad if you actually watch the tape. Like he wasn't that mad. He was just like you know he was obviously frustrated because he's got he's getting hit by a baseball way more than you know you should in a two day span. Um, but then you see that the Astros hitting coach. Uh, just is yapping at him from the dugout for some reason, for some unknown reason. And uh, yeah, so all of that said, uh, Astros hitting coach should actually probably be suspended for more games in my opinion, because like he's supposed to be a leader. And also he's not even supposed to be there anyways. He was, he was implicated in the Astros scandal last or in the past, in the off season. So he shouldn't have even been, been there, but you know, 20 games is a hefty, hefty uh, suspension, but you kind of have to see it because he's supposed to be a leader of his team. And instead, he's just instigating fights for no reason and then hiding behind his team. Yeah, I'd say it was kind of a weak move to then instigate a brawl like that and then immediately hide behind three of your teammates or three of your players. I mean, that's that's not exactly stepping forward. If you're going, hey, if you're going to fight, like go on ahead and go for it. I did think it was funny that there were guys from the from the stands that were coming in. I mean, obviously they were players, but I always joke it's funny to watch the bullpen guys that show up like 20 minutes late for the fight and are running in at like half speed, trying to catch whatever actions left. And you got guys this time coming in from the stands. So uh, that part was kind of funny to watch, but. Honestly, I'm very surprised it wasn't more than 20 games. I mean, that is simply inexcusable during a COVID environment as a coach that wasn't even involved. Um, I did see somewhere, some, something somewhere that there had been a prior relationship between the pitcher and Ramon the batter. Um, I think it was something to do with a trade where both players were uh, exchanged and there was a little bit of um, a little bit of beef between them. So I don't know if that had anything to do with what happened, but... It was odd that out of all people, they went after just some random guy three consecutive times um, getting hit. So I don't know what the Astros think they're trying to do. I mean, if they're really just getting ticked off, I get it. But that's not exactly how you go about it. And then to go forward and then, you know, get a coach suspended 20 games, like it's about time the MLB came down on someone on the Astros. I don't think that's exactly who everyone wanted to see get hit. Um, but 
I'm glad MLB decided to lower it to four games. I know six was, I think, a little much for someone that really was an, essentially a target. Um, so four wasn't bad. He doesn't miss any division games. So in the end, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, it was kind of funny because at the very end, he did say, um, I do regret trying to chase after one of the coaches, but in the end, he's a loser and I won't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love that quote where he's just like, I regret doing it because he's a loser. Like <laughs> that, that is, uh, that's amazing on Lariano's part there. And yeah, I, the thing with me is it's, it's their hitting coach. Like I could have understood it a little bit more if it was the manager or the pitching coach, like, hey, you know, don't tell my pitcher how to pitch or anything like that. Like, you know, it still would be inexcusable, but I could have understood it a little bit more. But this is the hitting coach. Like, he literally has nothing to do with anything that's just happened. And apparently, Lariano charged him because he said something about Lariano's mother. And we don't know what exactly he said, but uh, I, as we can all attest to and agree, like, the moms are always off limits. You don't say anything about somebody else's mom. So as soon as he went there, we can't really fault Lariano. Um, and yeah, like to your point, Josh, like Lariano is understandably frustrated because these are, these are baseballs coming at him. And like, as someone who got hit plenty of times in high school ball, it doesn't feel good. Um, and that was high school ball. So I can't even imagine when you've got like 85 plus hitting you, even if it's in like the squishy part of your rib or whatever. It doesn't feel good. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Lariano's suspension was put down. And he definitely deserved at least a little bit because he still did charge. But four games is fine for me. When I first saw 20, though, for Clinton, that, like, threw me off because I wasn't expecting that much. Just because, like, especially in a 60-game season, 20 games, keep in mind, we have to remember, that is one-third of the season when we're already about a third of the way into it. So he's not going to come back until, like, about a third of the season left. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this, this 20 game suspension, it kind of makes sense. He's the one who started all of this. Like Lariano was ready to just move on and let this go and take his free base after he said his piece. And then Clinton's the one who started all of this. Um, so 20 games exactly. And I know you guys have already touched on it a little bit, but any more thoughts on that? Like, you know, was 20 games the right amount, but I know you guys said you thought it should have been a little bit more actually. Uh, yeah, I think it should have been more just because he's supposed to be the leader, uh, a leader on that team, and the fact that he instigated everything, and then he wasn't even involved in it, which I, I'm assuming if he was involved in it, the the uh, suspension would have been more. But the fact that he instigated it, like everything was probably going to be hunky-dory without his involvement, he made things worse. Uh, that alone should at least be like 10 more games added, but I mean, that would be half a season, that would be huge uh, fine in a normal season. That's like a PED suspension, but uh, I, I mean, he instigated stuff, so I, I think he should have gotten a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, you wonder that. if he happened to be a head coach, what the punishment would have been. you got to think it's definitely more than 20 games, but the fact that he was a hitting coach, which, I mean, he was making fun of the Astros pitcher, so I don't know why the hitting coach is really upset. And then, too, like, yeah, he had absolutely zero reason to be involved in this whatsoever. Like, it, it'd be interesting to see if this was – you know, somebody like, you know, Aaron Boone, like what would have happened if the Yankees started mouthing off and Boone tried to charge at one of the uh, A's players? I mean, you're talking an entire season right there. So yeah, it's 20 games. And I mean, looking forward, you know, I know the Astros aren't having a tremendous year. If they continue to struggle, the Astros don't hit. And by the end of the year, he's barely like with the team much anymore. He's probably not going to be well, uh, welcome back. So 
pretty big mistake for such, such a little payoff. Quick sidebar, though. Jose Altuve is having a really struggling year so far. Yeah, I love it. Uh, he, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's batting 181 right now, according to baseball reference, which uh, it's not including today's game yet. So, But, I mean, he's only got 15 hits so far this year. It's It's been awful. I don't really know what's gotten into him. I mean, his on-base percentage is 255, which isn't even a good batting average. Um, and he's got, like, yeah, three home runs, two stolen bases. I mean, really just a forgettable start to the year. And, I mean, yeah, he's probably going to come out and say, well, it's only a 60-game season. It's not that big a deal. But even in a 162-game season, he doesn't take this long to heat up. Like, this usually is a guy that is producing at at least a 280, 290-spot every single year. So the fact he's been struggling this much – I mean, we can say all we want about the fact it might have been something to do with, you know, the change of culture there and maybe not having some trash cans to bang on. But still, like, even without those, like, it's still very surprising. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely uh, surprising considering, you know, guys like Altuve and we even look at, like, Correa and some of those other guys. Like, these are all-star caliber players and just in terms of their talent levels. And for them to have this slow of a start, it almost makes you wonder, have they started to lean on this system a little too much and now that they've been pegged with it they got caught and they're no longer using it are they really starting to feel these effects and it, it's looking like they're starting to feel those effects um and yeah to your point earlier bradley i think this could spell the end for clinton as the astros hitting coach because you look at their numbers he as you mentioned josh he was already implicated in the scandal anyway and then you look at their numbers to begin this season when they're just having to do it on their skills and talent alone and they're struggling mightily. And now all of a sudden he's gone for this middle third of the season. And then when he comes back, if their numbers don't increase when he comes back, I think that's going to say something about his ability to be a effective hitting coach. Yeah. I mean, the, the Astros are only 10 and 10. Like they're still only four and a half games out of, um, out of the West and Oakland's been really hot. So I wouldn't say it's been a complete failed start for everybody. I mean, there have been some guys that have produced uh, on Houston's roster. Um, and I know, you know, Altuve without a great start kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with um, some of these other rosters. Uh, I know like the the Rockies, for instance, had Aaron Otto with a slow start and they quickly turned it around. So if he turns it around, I mean, Houston could easily work its way back to a productive start, but but still, I mean, not impressive whatsoever. And yeah, I mean, they still have a chance of like turning it around and, I mean, in their division, you have the Red Hot Athletics at the moment, which they're they're just thrashing everyone. But you got to also remember they have the Angels, the Mariners, uh, the Rangers are about the same with them right now. But, I mean, they don't have the hardest schedule. I mean, yeah, they got to go over and play the Dodgers and the Rockies and the Padres and them. But, like, other than that, I mean, they have a pretty easy schedule for the rest of the year. Uh, so, I mean, they could easily turn this around and, and make it uh, make the playoffs. So. And speaking of the Rangers, how about our boy Lance Lynn? We talked about how dominant he'd been. How about a complete game two hitter yesterday? Oh, yeah. It was oh, yeah. amazing. I mean, <laughs> never would have seen that coming. I know we talked, like, who's going to be the one that's off the list. I think all of us agreed Lance Lynn. That's just, just too good to be true, and then he puts that together. <laughs> yeah, Lance Lynn, he's, he's been on fire this year. Yeah, he, he had a fantastic game. Yeah, so you got to think if, if Lynn could keep that up for the Rangers, they might be able to sneak themselves into a, a spot potentially if the, the rest of the team can rally behind him and pick it up as well especially with this expanded playoff format. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're talking about a team that's 10-9 and 9 now in a, in a pretty tough division, like you just said, Josh. There's a lot of good teams. So um, the fact that they've been, let's see, so far 5-4 um, and four against the West, I mean, 
you know, that's not many games right there, but that's a pretty decent start uh, in a team we didn't really expect to do much. So I know I had him like fourth or maybe even fifth in the division to begin the year. So that's without Kluber. I mean, someone had to step up and he's doing it. Yeah, but uh, speaking of hitting, let's move on now. Uh, this week, our little list, if you will, that we're going to discuss, the top five batting averages in Major League Baseball, three of which are above the 400 mark. And we know the last time anyone hit 400 was Ted Williams way, way, way back in the day. It's it's conceived as this uh, not unbreakable record, but this unachievable benchmark, if you will. And three guys so far, you know, if there's ever a season we think that anyone could achieve it, and of course it'd have an asterisk if it does occur, because it is only a 60-game season, but with only 60 games, it's a little more possible for someone to pull it off. So right now, the three guys above 400, you got Charlie Blackman, who's been on an absolute tear, 447, Donovan Solano at 444, and DJ LeMayhew at 411, and then the next two, Jesse Winker at 365, and Starling Marte at 362. Guys, can anyone pull off a 400 season this year? And if so, which player do you think has the best chance? I think it's completely it's completely in the realm of possibility for someone to bat 400. Uh, you have the, I mean, it's only a third of a season, about uh, just over a third of a season, pretty much. Uh, I mean, there have been plenty of times where we had guys in the past that have had a, a 400 or more average going into June and stuff like that, which is about the equivalent of what where we are right now, uh, where we would be at the end of the season. So it's very it's very possible. Um, the, I was about to tell you, I mean, it would have an asterisk by it because obviously less games, less, you know, I, I don't know how many games. Ted Williams was probably when they played 154 or something like that. Uh, so, I mean, not playing a full season is going to kind of hurt it but i guess nobody really cares that much i mean people are going to care a lot actually but uh it's still it would still be really cool to see someone bat over four, 400 yeah i think right now i mean you got to give the nod at least to charlie blackman as, as the potential favorite in this uh, i know we've got a couple of good names on here uh but the fact that he's at 447 now i mean that's a tremendous start one that we you know we've seen him bat hot in the past he's been a career 300 hitter for you know the majority of his career so we know he's capable of doing this so it shouldn't shock anyone that he's the one doing it. Um, MLB Network actually did break down how much, um, how many hits he would have to get, or what average he'd have to hit, assuming four bats a game the rest of the year, uh, just to eclipse that 400 mark. Uh, he's got to hit 369 uh, to get 400. Which, all things considered, the way the way he's been hitting now, 369 doesn't really seem that difficult for someone that's currently tearing it up. I mean, even to hit 375, he has to only bat 333. So you got to think he could, he could at least fall within that realm of 375 to, to 400. Um, other than that, I mean, Solano is a career like 280 hitter, so kind of a guy that's bursting onto the scene now. I don't know if I'd you know put my money on him to consistently keep this up. Lemayhu actually just got hurt, so he is at 411. I guess you could say if anyone's going to do it, maybe pick the guy that's going to be out and can't ruin the average. So um, I guess those two guys would be probably my potential favorites. Um, it does pain me to see Starling Marte at 362 when we just traded him, but that's a story for a different day. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree on Charlie Blackman. I mean, if you if you look at Charlie Blackman's last five seasons, I mean, he, he's been an all-star and stuff like that, a silver slugger uh since 2016 i mean he had 2016 he had 324 2017 had 331 2018 was a little dip with the 291 and then 2019 he had a 314 so it's completely in the realm of possibility that he can keep this pace up because charlie blackman's just a really good hitter and he, he's been consistent and that's pretty much why he's my pick for it 
Uh, Solano, I've gonna be honest with you, never heard of him <laughs> until now. But looking at his looking at his past stats, I mean, he played only half a season last year. Uh, he had a 330 average, and but only played 81 games. So I mean, if he can keep that pace up, he should be hunky dory there. I don't know why I keep saying hunky dory today. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> Lemayhu, like 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 we said, he's hurt. Um, what Bradley? What uh, I was saying? gonna say you sound like Jay and Ifr man. He used to always say. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't, don't say terms, that. Man. I'm trying to think of a few <laughs> off the top of my head. They'll come to me at some point. But slobber knocker? Slobber knocker is his go-to. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you go you go to Winker. Uh, Winker, he's never really played a full season. But he he has a batting average around 300 usually. So he has a pretty good chance. And then Starling Marte, we all know he's he's at least an average hitter. Uh, so he has he has a decent chance of keeping this up as well. But Wyatt, if I had to go on your question of do I think anyone's yeah. going to hit 400, I actually don't. I don't think anyone's going to actually eclipse it because that's really really hard to do. I'd say Blackman finishes like 380. Yeah, I think yeah even in the uh, 60 game season, I don't think it's going to happen just because 60 games even 60 games is still a really long time to keep up that good of a batting average. Um, especially in today's game where there is such an emphasis on the bullpen, and that's why it's become even harder now. Um, because of the like five-man rotation, the way the teams work their pitching staffs and with the going deep into the bullpens, and you have so many different arms to adjust to throughout the course of a game, throughout the course of a three- or four-game series, you know, it, just as soon as you start to figure out the starting pitcher, they've already, they've already dug into their bullpen, and you've got to now figure out then the relievers and so you know this tear especially at the beginning of the season I don't know if Blackman, Solano, any of these guys will be able to keep it up uh, even you know Winker's been on fire recently um, but we as we'll get into here you know missing these few games with the Pirates and we don't know how the rest of the week will look for the Reds you know you miss a few games you start to cool down when they when the Reds get back in the action is Winker still going to be his same old hot self or will that time away um, cool him down enough? So there's a lot of factors at play with it. Um, But if there ever were a year where I think it could happen, definitely this is the year because there's less games, but even still 60s a lot. Um, Just because of that weight, as high as his average is, I think Blackman would be the best chance to do it because he's got further to fall um, to get below 400. And one thing that does help him, you know, we, we everybody talks about the Coors atmosphere, but I think that can help a little bit, um, at least for the home games. But even away games, Blackman is still on a torrid pace right now. Um, the dark horse candidate for me would be Jesse Winker, and I know it's a homer, but Jesse Winker's a guy for the Reds that gets overlooked a lot because of the other big names that you might see on that uh, in that lineup. But Winker's really a guy who is starting to develop into his own. He's... He's, a, he's getting overlooked, but he's a very solid, complete player out there in the outfield, uh, DHing a lot this year for the Reds. And um, this torrid pace that he's on, I think he could keep it up. If he could keep it up, there's a chance. There's a chance. But even still, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, and you got to remember, this is all assuming that all of these teams continue to play a you know full season without any big breaks in between. I mean, if the Rockies get COVID and Blackman's out for two weeks, I mean – there's a very high chance that average dips down tremendously if he has a bad week. You know, like you said, why it's so hard to do, and there's just so much pressure if you do have a couple bad days because you then have to keep up that average even higher. 
going forward. So uh, assuming that, you know, uh, potentially they even get COVID. And also I was looking on something at MLB Network. They even said, you know, if they do have an incident where the team does come down with the virus and there are, you know, a lot of games back-to-back in the same uh, environment, it is actually sometimes detrimental for a team to play that many games in cores because you can get very, very used to the way the ball travels um, from the mound to the plate. And then if you played 11 straight games at home and then switched on to on the road, they actually interviewed some Rockies players and they said it actually significantly impacts the way they see the ball. So there's a lot of factors there. It does play in his, in his, um, to his benefit a lot of the times, but there are definitely a lot of negative side effects to it as well. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point, Bradley. Cause I never even really thought about that too. Like, the, the, the switching from the Coors effect to uh, losing it. Um, that's something I never really thought about, like that mental aspect of it. So that's that's an interesting uh, note as well. Yeah, I mean, you don't really think about that because most times you only play four games or three games and then you switch. So it's not like you really have to worry about it. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility. Uh, but I think the fact that the number one guy does play Coors, I mean, again, assuming nothing bad happens, we will probably tip our hat to him and – probably give him the nod out of all these guys. Um, and it's interesting that LeMahieu, I mean, you talk about a team that has just built up a ton of injuries. I mean, the Yankees now have like three top guys already out. So this is 2019 all over again for them. I mean, this is pretty much every year for the Yankees at this point. Uh, I, I really don't know what's going on with like their strength and conditioning program up there because like it, it just seems like every year the Yankees' top players – get hurt for a significant amount of time. Yeah, even now, isn't it a judge just went on the uh, 10-day IL? Yeah, and Stanton's been out. Yeah, I, th- I believe so, yeah. It just it just keeps happening every single year for the Yankees. Yeah, and it's always their biggest names, too. But that's the crazy thing is, like, you know, in sports, whenever a guy goes down, there's always the expression, oh, well, next man up. And that's the thing is, like, even last year – and this year, too, like the Yankees, when these happen, you think, oh, they're losing Judge, they're losing Stanton, they're losing this guy and that guy, they're losing all their all-stars, this would do them in. But no, like they somehow, next man steps up and they somehow still find a way to win ball games. So, I mean, credit where credit's due. They, they somehow still find a way to pull out Ws when they lose these guys. And I think that's a credit to their depth. But it's crazy, you know, you lose these big names and you think that that might do them in and it never does. And thankfully, I mean, now it's happened at a, at a pretty good time for them. I mean, I know there's never a good time for an injury, but they do have a series against the Rays, which will be interesting. But then they played the Mets twice in two series. They got the Braves, which, you know, isn't an easy series, but it's maybe not the hardest. And then you got the, uh, the Orioles, Blue Jays, Orioles again, then the Blue Jays again. And then you got Red Sox, Blue Jays, Marlins. So a pretty easy September. So if they do have a substantial injury, spurt you know they at least can work through it but still you never want to see it happen no of course not but uh i mean they they do have the benefit of being pretty much the best team in the uh in the east divisions pretty much uh because red Sox fell apart like i kind of predicted would happen uh the nationals are not up to snuff so far they they definitely have a chance i saw i saw a tweet yesterday that said the the nat start in this 60 game series is equivalent to their 19 in 31 start last season oh come on the the terrible start <laughs> yeah and i was oh, like goodness. okay let's let's cool the jets here <laughs> but uh i mean the nads they're not they're not as good as uh advertised so far but they can obviously come back the mets look bad the rays are really good i i think the rays are dangerous uh the marlins are there they're still leading the nl east <laughs> So I don't know what to make of them, but <laughs> the Marlins are an enigma. 
I mean, they're nine and six. Yeah, that that's just tr- that's just treading water. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all they need to do at this point, though, is just stay afloat. Well, I don't know if if you're a marlin, you want to be afloat because that means you're dead. But <laughs> like, the the point is, like, at this point, they just have to make the most of their situation. They've got the lead. They just kind of. Like you said, Josh, tread water in a sense. They just got to keep it going and just kind of keep up the pace. And even if they can fall to, like, second place, that's still a guaranteed playoff spot. And if you had told me when the season started that, like, you know, about a third of the way into the season that the Marlins would even be not last, let alone first place, I would have been like, what what the hell are you talking about? There's no way. Well, the interesting thing about the Marlins— the interesting thing about the Marlins is that they're getting a lot of the players that got COVID back soon. So, and the weirdest thing about that is, I don't know if that's going to help them at all. I think that might actually make them worse because I feel like all the young guys they have are just hungry and want to prove that they belong. Whereas if you just have the normal Marlins out there, there's going to be the normal Mar- Marlins. Yeah, and I'm looking at their uh, their schedule now. I think I, just the more I look at these schedules, the more I realize in a 60-game season, that means everything to some of these teams, how easy or hard your schedule might be, especially when you factor in injuries. But they close their year out uh, with four games at Atlanta and three games at New York against the Yankees. So you better you better win these games Ooh, now as you get your players back and really get some good chemistry going because it ain't getting easy. <laughs> Not at all. Better have some nice padding there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the Marlins, I think this is a good way to transition. You know, the Marlins, one of those teams that had a COVID outbreak. They missed time. They've come back. They've since, they're still leading. They're still doing well, so good for them. Uh, we talked about the Cardinals. They were the second team with a COVID outbreak. They missed a good solid roughly two weeks of action there. They're finally just getting back in the action um, this week, this past weekend here, starting to play some games. So they're getting back into it. And you'd think after these two, things would be good. And to quote Josh, hunky-dory. But nope. Uh, Just a couple of days ago, we've had yet another team miss games due to COVID. Now, this one, not quite as full scale of an outbreak yet. We saw with the Marlins, they got up to almost 20 players at one point. The Cardinals were missing a good, like, half of their team at, at one point as well. Um, the Cincinnati Reds, the latest team uh, to have a positive test. This one, though, it was only one player as of right now. That's the latest we've heard is just one player's tested positive. One player tested positive a couple days ago. That forced the last two games of the Reds Pirates uh, four-game set this weekend to be postponed. Um, we would have to presume those games would be made up in a doubleheader at some point later in the year. Um, that just works out kind of perfectly in that way. But still, um, the good news here is that so far it's only the one player so theoretically just give everybody some tests and as long as everybody else comes back negative that one player quarantines and both of these teams can get back to action um the worry though is what if this comes back with more positive tests and you see one or even both of these teams now come back with another almost full-scale outbreak so there's a little bit up in the air still with this there's some worry but this is still you know one thing that helps in, in terms of Major League Baseball standpoint is the Cardinals are back. So now, if it is just another outbreak with one team, say it is the Reds that has another outbreak, if it's one team at a time, if you're Major League Baseball, you can almost kind of work that in a way. Um, so, guys, I guess what are, you, what are your thoughts on this and how this might be looking? 
uh, keeping in mind that thankfully this isn't a full-scale outbreak yet. I'm going to let y'all talk about this for a little bit because this is y'all's divisions. Honestly, I would not. I would not be. I mean, okay, yeah, this is kind of morbid, but I would not be too opposed since the Marlins have played so well without their players. Maybe the Pirates getting a couple players knocked out for a couple weeks might not be the worst thing in the world. (laughs) Wow. That was, I know, that was a little far, but hey, it's Sunday night at 5 o'clock and we're 4 14, so sure, why not? Um. <laughs> oh, hey, get those uh, Indianapolis Indians some uh, major league time. Get them some some experience. I mean, they're already going to get time, so I guess you might as well bring it up now. Um, it is interesting because the Reds do actually. I was reading here; they have a couple uh, different slots already in place, just in case they do have an outbreak. Um, they have a couple series um, later on in the season that they can make up games in, and then they've also got a uh, doubleheader potentially on Monday if they did want to do that. Um, I guess this would be either next week or the week after, and then they've um, also got a couple off days in there too. So the Reds are situated fairly well in case they do have an outbreak. Again, you don't want that to happen, but it sounds like, you know, they've already done this before. They've played a doubleheader already. I guess, I think it was against the Tigers. Um, and then. I think there was one against the yeah, Cubs as well. Right. So they're correctly. used to it. Um, and oh, shoot, you talk about good pitching depth to be prepared for something like that. They're pretty well set. <laughs> so, uh, out of all teams, I'd say this team might be situated the best for an outbreak. Yeah. I think the thing that I will say for the Reds, you know, this this worries me that it might come back as an outbreak because I look back to their past few games last week, and I remember the end of – it was the Royal Series. I think that was right before the Pirate Series – one of those last couple of games, the Reds had a walk-off victory. Joey Votto hit a hit a ball deep into the uh, off the wall for a walk-off like double, and in extra innings. And I remember in their celebration, they didn't do a socially distance one. They had guys high fiving and stuff, and that's against the protocols. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, mm, maybe we you know be careful, guys. But I didn't think too much of it because everything's been fine so far. You know, even one of the guys afterwards joked in the post-game interviews, like, I think we broke a few rules there in that celebration. Um, But everything seemed fine. Now we get a few days, fast forward a few days, and a player comes back positive, and these these games get suspended or postponed. And my first thought, I immediately go back to that celebration and these guys high-fiving and stuff, and it makes me worry, what if one of those players was the one that tested positive? What What if the one that tested positive was one of those guys? And now you run the risk of it spreading amongst all of those guys and these tests coming back with another five, six, seven positives, and it turns into a mini to a full-scale outbreak. That's my worry here. Now, there is the potential that that's just a worry, and that's not going to be the case. And, but it does, it does make you wonder if that's going to happen. But like you said, Bradley, I think as long as this comes back, it's just one player, right? If it's just this one guy or even just two guys, um, you can have them quarantine off on their own. If everybody else comes back negative, you can kind of go ahead and get right back into it. One thing that helps is the Reds actually um, have an off day tomorrow, um, it looks like. So they don't they don't get back in the action again until it looks like um, Tuesday against the Royals. So... There's time here for these tests to get done and come back. You can get those results, assess the situation, and if they're able to get back into playing, they can just get back into it and then 
you know, schedule this double header for the first opportunity you get with the Pirates, and you can get back into it. Um, but if this turns out to be another full-scale outbreak, it could be some trouble, especially from a scheduling standpoint. Oh, yeah, definitely from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, first off, I'm thinking about the Cardinals, because we already discussed this. The Car- we discussed this last week. The Cardinals went two weeks without playing a game. And now with the Reds, if the Reds have a huge outbreak, the Cardinals are playing the Reds in a four-game series starting Thursday. So there's a potential that uh, the Cardinals could only play like seven or so games and then boom, they're back on a four-day rest. And they've already missed so many games. Like there's only so much time that they can make up these games. So I know we said it as a joke, but the five-inning triple header is becoming reality, I feel like. Just to get these games in. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, Josh, I'm all for it. Like, let's do it. But I, I maintain, though, you just treat it as if it's, like, one continuous game. Like, somebody gets taken out in a substitution, they're done for the rest of it. Like, I think that'd be an interesting caveat. You know, you just have your starting pitcher. He pitches the first five of game one, and he gets the, like, next two or three of game game two. Like, let's do it. <laughs> or if you're Nolan Ryan, you get to pitch all 15 innings that day. <laughs> Yeah, oh god 230 pitches <laughs> oh that'd be yeah. insane um and i think uh, what we're seeing too with what's happened with the marlins the cardinals and now this Reds situation that like i said is still very up in the air because the last we've heard is it's only one player i haven't heard anything come back with like any other tests for either team uh to this point um so hopefully all of those come back negative and it's just one guy and it's an isolated incident but uh regardless i with all of this, I think the true unsung heroes of this whole Major League Baseball season, no matter who wins the MVPs, no matter who wins what wards in either league, the true heroes of this season are the schedulers for Major League Baseball because they already had to, at the beginning of the year, put together this 60-game schedule for all these teams on very short notice, and then all these outbreaks have forced them to work their butts off all season long to just short notice, throw these schedules together and try and fit in as many of these games in to make them all up as possible. So shout out to those guys real quick. Credit where credit is due because I don't even want to know how stressful that's got to be for them right now. That is a job I do not want. Definitely shout them out because they're usually they're usually done by, with their job by like February when the official schedule is getting released. They're usually just relaxing right now. A job you don't want, that's a job I do want. You know how much of a raise you're going to get this year for putting this thing together if it works? You're about to get so much money leading in the next year. That's what we like to call indispensable. Yes, exactly. And how do you get that job, too? Like, as an MLB scheduler? I mean, that's a job you could sit in your boxers for 200 days out of the year and just chill and watch baseball. I always, I always thought it would just be like a robot. I thought they would always just put like everything in an Excel sheet and put like parameters on it or something like that. But I, I mean, I guess someone has to do it by hand. Oh, I hope it's someone on like a chalkboard somewhere drawing this whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> just use the MLB the show like random scheduler or whatever, like yes. whatever algorithm they use in the game. Yeah, and, and the other thing, like normally, like you said, Josh, like normally the worst part of your job is you make the full schedule like sometime like near the end of the season, the year prior, and then normally during the season your job's pretty simple and all you got to worry about is just like a rain out here or there and then you just got to make sure you can like fit the double header in somewhere to like reschedule it or find an off day for them or whatever like normally that's all you got to deal with is just things like rain outs and stuff you know and those are usually only one or two at a time and it's never really that bad and you have such a longer time frame to work with 
But now, especially now, as we're getting deeper into this already shortened 60-game stretch, you are running out of time to fit these games in, and the more games that these teams miss, like with the Cardinals missing two full freaking weeks, like it, it just becomes so much more difficult to fit these games back in. You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to realize I firmly believe that Marlins man was responsible for putting together this schedule this year. Not only is it a great excuse for the reason he can travel 300 days out of the year, but it makes perfect sense that he orchestrated this perfect schedule and MLB probably struck a deal with him that said, all right, we'll let the Marlins make the playoffs this year if you put this thing together successfully. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. This is a conspiracy theory I could get behind. <laughs> Tell me uh, I'm I, wrong, please. I can't prove I can't prove that wrong. I don't know enough about the scheduling process yeah. to prove you wrong. <laughs> That's the thing, Bradley, is I cannot immediately tell you you're wrong. Definitively. I can't. <laughs> I mean, it fits too perfectly for it to not be right. <laughs> oh man. I mean, whoever it is, man, it's it's impressive nonetheless. And it's also it makes me think if the MLB looking back on I know you can't obviously change anything now, but I wonder if they could have originally proposed more doubleheaders early on that were seven innings, just so you'd get more games under each team's belt. I don't. I know they didn't foresee any of this happening, but in hindsight, it might have made more sense to do more of that, so you wouldn't have the Cardinals stuck at seven games right now. Might not make much of a difference, but I feel like I feel like they knew that some cases would come out, but I don't think they expected like full-on outbreaks like this, like to cancel games and stuff like that. But, I mean, you you have to think they had to have, like, some kind of backup plan in case something like this happens. And uh, we're just learning that, uh, much like, you know, regular people, the MLB has no idea what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> Josh, repeat after me. Rob Manfred is the commissioner. <laughs> Rob Manfred is the commissioner, unfortunately. That is, that is exactly right. <laughs> Bradley, with just those handful of words, you said so, so, so much. Oh, it's so <laughs> like, Dude. Oh, my God. Like, they say a picture speaks a thousand words. Like, bro, that sentence spoke a thousand words. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so this is definitely a unique and interesting situation. This has the potential to, to become the third big outbreak, and it has the potential to be just a small little isolated incident so hopefully it's the latter um we'll have to wait and see and keep our eyes on this so we'll definitely be able to bring more to you on this next week's uh during next week's episode um so hopefully it's not too much but that it seems is all we have for you today so guys before we get out of here your parting words your final thoughts uh my final thought is it's gonna be a shout out slash a uh, making fun of so uh, it involves two teams. So the San Francisco Giants, they have blown back-to-back games with a lead of 7-2 to two in one of them and a lead of 6-3. to three. And they lost both those leads in the ninth inning to the Oakland, a- the Oakland Athletics. So good on the Athletics were these amazing comebacks. Terrible on the Giants for blowing two huge leads in the ninth inning two games in a row. Josh, you took my words, man. I, I had the exact opposite presentation of it because I was going to um, praise the A's for how well they've done, but I, I guess we both took either side of it and you decided to harp on the Giants while I praised the A's. <laughs> I just wanted <laughs> to hit the Giants while they're down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think it's great because you did say they had back-to-back games they blew, and I think it was uh, now makes 12 out of 14 for the A's, um, and they are now four games up in the AOS. But the best part of it was the fact that, um, let's see, it says in the article, I'm quoting it now, it said, asked if his approach facing the closer in the ninth 
uh, Kana. I don't even know who this guy is, but somebody for the A's. Oh, Mark um, Hanna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said, I'm going to keep it honest with you and be- make it very simple. I was just trying to go deep, which is just a beautiful way to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a poster. <laughs> I, I will add, here's another here's another fun statistic. So um, before yesterday's game, the San Francisco Giants or the New York Giants haven't lost a game with a five-run lead in the ninth inning since 1929. Wow. Jeez. And then they did so in back-to-back days. 2020, And they man. did it in back-to-back days. That's insane. Uh, I'm actually going to make it a clean three-game series sweep here with you guys because I was going to also talk about the Oakland A's <laughs> in a slightly different context. I wanted to shout out one of <laughs> those games. So good. They tied it in the ninth on Stephen Piscotty's Grand Slam, and that marked their third Grand Slam in the ninth inning or later this season. Because they already had two to walk off games. That one tied a game. They have three Grand Slams in the ninth inning or later, the A's do. The rest of the other 29 teams combined, zero. I mean, they like, know how to get on base and they know how to get RBIs, baby. <laughs> Moneyball is working. Billy Bean would be so proud right now. Oh, you know you know, they're still going to lose this final game, though. It doesn't matter. You can win 30 oh, straight. Man. They're not going to win the World Series. <laughs> oh, you don't have to bring it up. <laughs> Jeez. Come on, Bradley. Oh, man. <laughs> With all the success, they still only have a 9.6% to win the World Series, according to baseball reference. So, Of course they do. Wow. I'm do. telling you, if there's a team I'm rooting for, like outside of my team, like obviously I want my Reds to win, but if it's not going to be my Reds, I wholeheartedly want it to be the A's. I'm oh. telling y'all, I, 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 I'm just going to put it out there to the universe right now. Like A's Reds World Series, sign me up. It would just make, it would make so much sense. I mean, just please bring it on. On a side note, do you guys want to take a guess? I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. ESPN Cy Young predictor. Do you guys want to guess who's the top three in each, uh, each league right now? Oh boy, oh not the Cy Young predictor. <laughs> Dude, after the conversation we had after the pod last week, like clearly it's going to be three people we've never heard of. Uh, not entirely the case. The AL is a little more reasonable than the NL. Uh, why, Please you tell might me be... Shane Bieber's. Yeah, Bieber's number two in the AL. <sighs> oh, he's only number two. And that's without Dude. the, uh, what's it called here, the victory bonus they give? <laughs> oh, yeah, the victory oh bonus. Uh, I'm assuming Garrett Cole is up there that would be correct yep cole's at number one and then the uh, third guy's actually not a um not a starter oh wow shocking is it liam Hendricks? it is liam Hendricks. seven saves so far for the a's oh well, that's pretty solid though oh. i mean yeah Lee, dude the a's bullpen this year i i don't have the stats on me i've seen them on like mlb networks like uh instagram and stuff but like the A's bullpen has been the best bullpen in baseball this year like they have been on fire i know they have the best era um of any bullpen so far if i remember correctly like uh they they have been lighting it up liam Hendricks is probably your leading candidate for uh al reliever of the year oh i firmly believe in al or a um, a reliever should make the cy young vote every single year i mean so many guys are deserving all right well then the nl who y'all think they all actually come out of the nl central, the uh, central. kyle Hendricks. kyle Hendricks. yep trevor bauer nope he is now a red he is now off the top 10. What's that? Is it a red? Yes. One of them is a red. One of the reds. Is it gray? Sonny Gray is third. There you go. Okay. And the number one I overall. Bauer might have jumped him. Number one overall. Oh, you guys got a guys got a guess? I mean, Central. I would say DeGrom. It's the NL but, Central. But he's in. Yeah, yeah not, it's not the NL Central. Uh, it's not Brandon Woodruff, is it? 
It is not. Woodruff is actually off the list now. Josh, you'll be happy to know Max mm-hmm. Freed is now in fourth place, which, hey, he's, he's been stellar, so I don't blame him. He, he's been amazing. Uh, if only we had our other stellar young pitcher. Because all of our other pitchers are literally just... We picked him up on the street, apparently. Yes. Um, uh, Wyatt, I'll give you a hint. I am talking to you with this one. This is the number one guy? Yep. And it's not Bauer? Nope. It's actually not even a red. You just gotta listen to what I just said to you. <laughs> oh, it's a Cardinal, isn't it? Nope. <laughs> it is a Chicago Cub. And it's not Kyle Hendricks. It is not Kyle Hendricks. What other uh, Cub would it be? It's not you, Darvish. It is, is it? you, Darvish, in the number. I one see what you did there. I fi- I figured it out. I figured out your game there, Bradley. <laughs> Wyatt, I am talking to you. Uh, I see now. I see now. That was clever. That thank was clever. You. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You Darvish, three and one with a one eight eight ERA. It is interesting because Lance Lynn is in seventh in the AL despite a three and record and a one point one one ERA. I think all of this just speaks volumes to how BS this ESPN Zion <laughs> predictor is. The fact that Shane Bieber is not number one in the AL and Lance Lynn is that far down the list. He has 54 strikeouts this year. That is unbelievable. That's insane. That's I think Bieber, to through his first, like, was it four starts, has the third most strikeouts in MLB history in, like, that Gosh. many starts to begin a season. I think it was like third or fourth most all time through that many starts. He's only he's also only walked six people too. Yeah, like that's insane. God, that is unbelievable. Yeah, so if Bieber can keep that pace up, he's on pace for a historic season, regardless of sixty games or not. Can you guys name real quick before we close this? Can you name who has the longest hit streak this year? Donovan Solano. I'd be impressed if you even knew this player. (laughs) Oh, never mind then. I figured it was going to be like a, a, a non-expected guy. That's why I went with Solano. Yeah. <laughs> David Fletcher for the LA Angels. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he has a 14-game hit streak, which is pretty impressive. Good for him. Pretty impressive for a guy I've never heard of. I've never heard of David Fletcher. Let's take a look here. He's batting 306 this year. I mean, that's pretty much the only reason we can we can figure out who this guy is. It's because he's hitting really well. <laughs> this is why we don't know his name. He plays for the Angels and he's not Mike Trout. <laughs> and he's starting he's in he's at third base, which I I don't think I've ever been able to name a third baseman for the LA Angels. <laughs> yeah, and they just got Rendon this offseason, so you'd think his playing time would have gone down, but there you go. Uh, there according you go. to MLB, he got moved to shortstop. Which that would make sense. sense. Yeah. Well, we'll keep up with this list. It is comical yeah. walking through this. I'm, I'm curious if it makes more sense later in the year. Well, you know, the you victory bonus really changes things, you know? It makes it more interesting. Dude, screw, yeah, screw the victory bonus. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's so dumb. Like, I understand what they're going for, but, like, in theory, I get it, but in practice, it's so bad. Yeah, there's five Oakland A's in the top ten right now. Come on. <laughs> Like, okay, I get it. Their pitching staff has been playing phenomenally, but, like, that many? Like, uh, let's 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 pump the brakes here, Espen. Let's pump the brakes. <laughs> well, on that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and call it a day. That's all we've got for you here on this edition of Triple Play. So, Bradley, Josh, thanks again uh, for being a part of this lovely little podcast. And for all of you listening, thank you for tuning in yet again. We'll be back next week to turn yet another triple play for you in your earbuds. 
but until then, enjoy the baseball, stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time on the Triple Play Podcast.